Hey there, and welcome to the Real Life Podcast, a production of Real Life Online. We exist to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time, and you can help us do that by liking, sharing, and subscribing to this podcast. We hope that this time encourages you and points you closer to Jesus. Be sure to check out the description for ways to stay in touch. Hello again. Welcome to Real Life Online. We are so excited to have you here with us. Hopefully you've got your your Bible, your pen, you're ready to hear what God has to say to you uh, today. We're really excited about everything that he has in store for us uh, today. Here at Real Life, we are on a mission together to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. And before we get going here, we just wanna offer and extend the opportunity for you to be a part of, to you, for you to be involved in that mission. Uh, one way you can do that is to give financially. And that's a way of recognizing that everything that we have comes from God. And so we give back to him. Uh, it's called a tithe. We give back to him uh, the, the first of fruits or offerings that he has given to us. And so you can do that by clicking on that link below. Uh, we are able to do what we do by your generosity, by your faithfulness to continue to contribute to the work and the mission of Jesus. Uh, but like I said, super excited about all that God has planned for today. We are actually going to pick up on the conversation that we started yes, uh, last week. Uh, talking about God's design, how God's design is perfect and good and beautiful for our bodies and what we choose to do with them. Again, it is along the same lines as last week, so I do wanna remind you uh, that if you do have young kids in the room that you may not feel comfortable having there, or maybe you wanna have that conversation with your young adult uh, at another time, we do wanna let you know that that's what we're gonna be talking about today. And so while we do uh, know that this is an important conversation to have, that it's so important to address what the world tells us with the way of Jesus and what his word has to say, uh, we do wanna let you know that if, if you feel more comfortable having that conversation on your own, uh, please do so. Let us know how we can help with that. Uh, but again, we are excited about what is in store for today. We wanna start by asking God really just to open our eyes, open our hearts and prepare us for what he has in store today. So would you join me as we start off today? God, we thank you so much uh, for your design for our lives, for each and every one of us, each and every person who is, is watching right now and gathered together with us right now. We know and we're thankful that your design for us is good and perfect. And so we just pray that our hearts, our minds will be open today as we seek to hear from you. Uh, we don't just wanna hear your word, we really want to act and change the direction of our lives and, and really conform our minds and our lives uh, to the way of Jesus. And so we thank you uh, for your desire to meet with us today. Um, let our hearts be open uh, to what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Holy is set apart. God is holy. We as followers of Jesus are called to be holy. That means we do life Jesus' way, not the world's way. One of the most convoluted and confusing places of life for us to get mixed up between Jesus' way and the world's way is in relationship. We have all learned relationship. Some of it is very awesome. Some of it is very broken. Either way, we have been exposed to relationship over and over again. We have created a theology and pattern to the way we do relationship. Is it Jesus' way of relationship? Some of us really don't know. Through living Jesus' way to be holy, you will reclaim your relationships, your marriage, your sexuality, and how you navigate conflict.
So good to see you today. Welcome to Real Life. We love you and believe that God has so much purpose and potential for your life. We're passionate about helping you become who God made you to be, grow spiritually toward his purpose for your life. It is something that drives us as we seek to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. Every one of us becoming who God made us to be really empowers and enables that mission to happen together. And so I'm glad that we have to spend these few minutes together. We started off this new year with a desire to be holy. That's a Bible word for set apart, different than the rest of the world. Jesus has a way of life and living that is different than the world lives in the way that culture really preaches at us to live, make decisions. Relationship is one of those most distinct differences. How Jesus does relationship compared to how the world does relationship are really two different things. And many of us, unfortunately, have found ourselves giving way to the world's way of relationship and find ourselves in a lot of brokenness as a result. And so this conversation is an invitation out of the world's way to Jesus' way, that you would begin to make decisions according to Jesus' design, God's design for relationship. We talked last week and we're gonna talk again today specifically within the area of sexuality. It's a relationship piece that is so important for us to talk about and the world is preaching at you constantly how to navigate sexual choices, preferences, all kinds of things. And one of the biggest conversations for us as a, as a people that we wanna navigate in this um, really has to do with this thing that silently destroys relationships. Pornography. It's this quiet little thing that worms its way into your heart, into your mind, into your decision making, and begins to filter how you live life, who you interact with, how you interact with people. It's something that is actually determining many of your relationships right now. It's hampering some of your marriages. It's destroying some of your relationships with your kids. It, it is a killer of relationship. Research shows that when a person sees pornography, the brain actually releases endorphins that are 200 times more potent than morphine and more addictive than cocaine. Why don't you just think about that for a second? This thing is a powerful work that I believe the enemy of your soul is leveraging to destroy you and destroy relationships that you have. I was looking at some of the research surrounding um, pornography since the pandemic broke last March. Most research says right now that average pornography use is up by 30% right here in the US. And that in, in around the world, in India specifically, it's actually up 95%. People, in isolation, quarantined, stay-at-home orders, social distancing, are finding themselves more and more isolated, turning to different ways of relationship that are inviting so much destruction into their lives. The most recent stats say that every second, every second, like this one, and this one, and this one, every second, 28,258 people are watching pornography every second. I just want you to think about that. 40 million Americans are regularly using, viewing pornography. 
When I think about some of the impact of this thing, I have to think about the really the spiritual fight that we are in. See, God has a way and he has a design and he has a purpose and he has an enemy, the, the devil, who is trying to destroy the work of God, the purpose of God and the people of God. He's trying to destroy you and your future and your potential. And pornography is one of those tools, one of those devices that the enemy is using to ruin your life, destroy your relationships, make your marriage a complete wreck. And as a pastor, a leader in your life, I'm coming to you today with a passion for you to be free from this silent killer, to expose the work of the enemy in your life and in your heart and in your brain and help you walk towards freedom, walk towards God's potential for your life. If you're a parent, for you to be on guard, to not just kind of sit idly by while your kid's relational capacity is destroyed by the work of the enemy in their lives. That you and I would rise up with a sense of urgency around this issue and say, hey, Jesus has a way for us to live in relationship with God and with each other. When it comes to our sexual choices, we don't just go the way of the world. We intentionally choose Jesus' way. That is holy. So I, I wanna look at this conflict today together. It starts really in our hearts, in our minds. It's a, it's a tension between God's design and the world's way. The enemy is always trying to take what God intended for your good, for your best, for your potential, and twist it, distort it, ruin it. It's been how he's always worked. I wanna go back to the creation account if you have a Bible with you. Open up to Genesis chapter three. It's the very first book in the Bible. Chapter three is right after the creation account. Genesis one, God created man and woman. He created the earth and the sky and the sun and the stars and the animals and all of this. And every time he created something, a day finishes, God goes, it is good. It is good, it is good. He made man and woman in his image and he told them to go be fruitful and multiply. This is a, uh, a creation of sex according to God's design that it would be in the context of marriage, one man man, one woman, under the covenant and commitment of marriage for life. He tells Adam and Eve to go do that. Go be fruitful. Go multiply. I was joking with our church this last week. That's not a gardening kind of term. That is sex. God designed sex. And he put it in this context of marriage. And then you see in Genesis chapter two that the man and woman are in the garden together, that they're both naked. They felt no shame, that nothing had corrupted what God had given to man and woman in this creation account. At the same time, he gives Adam this command to eat of all the trees of the garden, but don't eat of this one tree in the middle or the midst of the garden. Stay away from it. If you eat of it, you're gonna die. You will, your eyes will be open. You will, you will be destroyed if you go that direction. Well, Genesis chapter three is where we see the enemy of our soul, Satan, enter the scene and begin to do what the devil always does. Genesis three, verse one, look at it with me. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field, the snake was, that the Lord God had made. And the serpent, I don't know how a snake talks, but the serpent said, <laughs> To the woman, did God actually say? Just think about this question that he's putting inside the heart of Eve, inside the mind of Eve. Did God really say? 
This is how the enemy always works. He, he sows these seeds of doubt into your heart. Maybe it's a seed of fear, like you're missing out on something. It's a seed of uncertainty. Is that really what God said? Did he really say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? He poses this question as a way to begin to see doubt into the heart of Eve. This is how the enemy will work in your life as well. See, God made sex, designed sex to be enjoyed and experienced in one context and one context alone, marriage. One man, one woman, united in the covenant of marriage for life. That's God's design. The enemy is trying to get you to question God's word, God's design, God's purpose. Did God really say that that's how sex should be experienced? You think about this doubt that he seeds in Eve's mind. It's a doubt that I know all of us have been tempted with, have wrestled with, still wrestle with. What he does, the enemy does, is he tries to get you to doubt the word of God. Is that really what God said? Maybe I should rethink God's design, rethink what God said. And then he gets you to doubt the character of God, that, that maybe God doesn't have your best interest in mind, that he doesn't know what's best for your life, who he made you to be, the potential he has for you. And so it begins this slide away from the, the leadership of God into this place of doubt. And then listen, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. So she's responding. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst or the middle of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. So she's quoting what God told Adam, what Adam's obviously told Eve here. But the serpent said to the woman, oh, you're not gonna die. You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, this is the root of sin in our life. We're talking about sexual sin. We're talking about pornography today. But you could trace this back to every sin in our lives. We begin to doubt the character of God, the goodness of God, the word of God. And then the enemy tempts us and invites us out from underneath the authority of God. He, he, he says, oh, it, you're not gonna really die. What God said isn't really gonna happen that way. So come out here, out from God's authority, God's design, God's leadership in your life and begin to go your own way. You're going to be like God. You're going to stand next to God, not under God and under his authority. The enemy is luring you out from God's design with these questions and with this doubt and with this uncertainty. And this is constantly the tension. Will I go God's way according to his design or will I give into this temptation and, and try to stand next to God, go, this is what I want, when I want it, how I want it, who I want it with, you will be like God. That's the temptation. But see, when the enemy is tempting you to be like God, he doesn't tell you the consequence of when you come outside of God's covering, God's authority. See, under his authority, under his design, you're protected. You're actually blessed. You have potential and purpose and significance. But when you come out from underneath God's authority and God's design, you're vulnerable. 
You're now not protected. You're now carrying the full weight of every sin, every choice. You are exposed. And this is where the enemy wants you because he came to steal, kill, and destroy you. Like, like a wolf among sheep, he can separate you from the protection of the flock and now pick you off. He doesn't tell you that when he's saying, oh, you can be like God. You can have sex your way on your terms and, in, and with whoever, however you want to do it. He doesn't tell you that when he's luring you out from God's design. But that is his intent. That is his goal is to destroy you. Destroy your relationships, destroy intimacy in your marriage. Pornography is one of those tools where he quietly seduces us with just a simple click on the phone, just a simple R-rated whatever kind of crazy movie, just a simple little view, a little, a little bit of, you know, just a, just a kind of a little tiny temptation. And he pulls us out into these places where we're vulnerable, we're exposed, we're on our own out from God's design. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Here's the sneaky part about sin. And I would say specifically sexual sin, I'd say pornography is that there is all of this that is good about God's design. God made man and woman. He made bodies. He made attractiveness. So, so there's no wonder that there's this element of goodness about those experiences, about pleasure, ab about the use of pornography. There's all this that's alluring about it because God made men and women. He made them in his image. He made the beauty. He made all of that. And that's what's so deceptive about this is, oh, take God's creation, God's design, and, and leverage it for my own purposes in my own way. It, ultimately, God's design is still good, but it just gets perverted outside of his design. So, I want you to hear another passage that's really an invitation from the world's way to Jesus' way. It's way back in your Bible, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. There's an author here named Paul. This guy is writing to a church and he's trying to help them understand Jesus' way. Hey, you are called to be holy. You're called to be different. You're called to be set apart. The world might say pornography doesn't hurt anybody and it's not a big deal and it's my own body and it's my own sexual experiences and it's my own pleasure. Don't tell me what to do. It's clearly stepped out of God's design where sex belongs in marriage in the covenant context of one man and one woman for life. But Paul's saying, no, no, no. Jesus has a different way than the world's way. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, he says, this is the will of God. I love the strength of this language. This is the will of God, the purpose of God, the desire of God for your life is that your sanctification would actually be happening. You know what sanctification is? It's you being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. It's a process of growth and transformation that you were just like the world. You give your heart to Jesus and now you are given the spirit of God inside you. And now you begin this process of renewal and transformation away from the world to Jesus way, away from God's, all the world's design to God's design. 
your sanctification is the will of God, that you would abstain from sexual immorality. That word sexual immorality is porneia in the Greek. It's this actual word that we would say pornography from. But the original meaning of the Greek has so much more to it than just like, like a, a screen. That didn't happen in the first century when this was written. So the actual meaning is to prostitute or to sell of this word sexual immorality here. By the time of the New Testament writing, it had a huge broad meaning that included sexual behavior such as prostitution, extramarital sex, uh, adultery, pedophilia, uh, homosexuality, lesbianism, premarital sex, bestiality. I mean, it was like the all-encompassing word for not Jesus way. And yet that's the root word that we would see as pornography in our culture here today. He says, this is the will of God your sanctification, abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you would know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Just hear the contrast. You who are set apart as the people of God, control your bodies abstain from sexual immorality. Don't give way to your lust, to your passion, to your desires, to that click on the phone, to that image on the screen, to that movie that you're tempted to watch. You go Jesus way. The world gives in to their desires and to the lust of the passion inside them. That's the world's way. That's not your way. Your way is to abstain. Jesus' way is to, to trust that holiness and honor with your body is the way that God designed you to live. He says later in that same passage that no one would transgress or hurt or wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. If you take from somebody their spouse or an image of their daughter on the internet, or you take and use them for your own sexual purposes. The Bible says the Lord is an avenger in all of this. Do not sin against your brother in this way. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, he says, for God has not called us for impurity, but holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. There's an underlying assumption in this passage. Paul is writing to a people who are surrendered to Jesus. Let's say, I wanna live Jesus' way. I, I, I need salvation from Jesus. <laughs> I cannot live this life under my own control, under my own passion, under my own desires anymore. I have tried my way and it leads to destruction. Jesus, I wanna go your way. See, the moment that you and I recognize that we are sinners and that we need a savior, we are now given an opportunity to receive salvation, not in our own merits and our own work and our own religious effort and our own kind of checklist of purity, but in the, the grace, the gift that is Jesus Christ. His love for every single one of us is manifest by this, that he would come to earth in the form of a man, walk sinless and perfect, and then willingly be crucified on a cross on behalf of 
all mankind so that anyone who would put their faith in Jesus Christ could now be set free from sin, death, condemnation, be given the perfection of Jesus in exchange for all of our imperfection. See, when Jesus went to the cross, he actually became sin for you and I so that when he goes into the grave, he takes the sin of the world with him, conquers it in the grave, resurrects from the dead, offering life, freedom, salvation to all mankind. Paul says, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you have committed giving your life to Jesus, said, I need a savior. In that place of repentance, you are given a deposit of the spirit of God inside you. You now have the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead inside you, empowering you to be this totally different person, this holy person set apart for the work and the purpose of God. He says, you, you are to control yourself, not give way to lust. What is control? Self-control is literally a fruit of the spirit of God inside you. It is proof of that salvation that God is in you, empowering you to be holy. You're not on your, own, on your own in this process of walking away from pornography. You're not on your own in this process of, of not going the world's way and, and being wholly committed to Jesus' way. You have, by the grace of God, you have the spirit of God inside you, empowering you to walk in freedom, to not give way to these temptations. And as a pastor, as your leader, I love you so much and want you to be free from this. I want your marriage to be free from this. I want your kids to be free from this. I want your generations to be free from this. Some of you are consuming pornography and have no idea the destructive power that it is wreaking on future generations in your family. You have no idea the way that it has absolutely changed the way you view the opposite sex or the same sex. The way that you interact with people is damaged because of how many images you've viewed on that screen. Your relationships are incapacitated because of this silent killer destroying you right now. My passion is really against the devil and his tactics and his schemes to keep you from the work of God. I'm not angry at you. I am just so passionate that God would set you free and that the devil would no longer have a place in your life in this area of pornography. But here's the deal. You are in charge of making a decision. Am I gonna go Jesus way or the world's way? Nobody can make this decision for you. You have to make a decision to go, God, by your grace, I need your salvation. I need your spirit. I need your power. I need to be free from this sin. Would you lead me to this way of transformation? Would you lead me to your way, Jesus? I am tired of destroying my marriage, destroying my kids, allowing my kids to be destroyed by this thing. I am tired of being outside of the design of God and the purpose of God. God, I want to be holy. You got to make that decision. And if you are ready to make that decision, here's what I wanna invite you into. It's just really a simple understanding of what this looks like. How do we walk in this holiness free from pornography? Number one is really simple. It's this, it's give yourself completely to God. It's you making a decision that all of that energy, all that passion, all that desire. See, here's the thing about an addiction is it begins to rule your mind and your heart, your decisions. When you're addicted to something like pornography, it becomes the filter of everything in your life. You have this urgency and this passion to get the next fix and to get more of it. 
What I would call you to do is to take that energy, that passion, that, that all that focus and energy and direct it at a relationship with Jesus. God, would you be the passion of this life? Would you retrain me how to think, not about those things that are so corrupted and so broken, but God, would you train me how to go after you with all my heart, all my passion, all my energy? If you're, if you're married, here's what I would challenge you to do as you pursue Jesus with this kind of passion every time a sexual temptation or allure comes up redirect that sexual temptation towards your spouse put all of that sexual energy towards your spouse all of that passion towards Jesus and all that sexual energy towards your spouse I believe that God begins to remap your brain your heart your choices as you redirect your focus this way it's like you've got to create a new target for your life and your passion and your desires you can't keep aiming at the old thing with all of that energy and expect to become somebody different Jesus you are my highest priority You are the savior of this soul. You are the one I run after more than anything else. All my passion, all my energy, God, is directed at you. See, one of the things that's killing culture right now is so much energy and passion is pointed at things of politics. Man, if half the people that call themselves followers of Jesus that are so passionate about all of these politics that are happening right now would aim that same amount of passion at Jesus and his kingdom, revival would literally transform our nation right now. But we are so wrapped up with all these other passions and all this other energy. All I'm saying is put all of that towards Jesus. Allow him to be the sole focus of your heart. Allow him to be the the driver of your, your life and your mind. I believe in that kind of place, God can transform you radically. Create a a, a whole new goal and focus for your life. Paul says, same author says in Romans 6, so well, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Not a bit of it. Not any part of your body, your eyes, your mind, any bit of you. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. Completely. Why? You were dead, he says, but now you have new life because of the grace of Jesus Christ, because of the love of God, you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. You have purpose. Your body has purpose. It is not just to give way to sexual sin and desires. It's to be glorifying to God with this body, with this mind, with this heart, with this soul, with every bit of you is designed for God's purposes. Use it for his glory. That's a whole new target. That's a whole new aim for your life. Give yourself completely to God. And the second thing is super practical is this, is flee from sexual immorality. Run away. Same author in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. Get away from it. Every other sin, he says, is a, a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? That you're actually like a, a place where the Spirit of God dwells inside of you? He, he says, you're a temple whom you have from God. You are not your own. Your body is not your own. Your mind is not your own. You have been bought with a price. What is that price? It is the blood of Jesus Christ. His sacrifice on the cross 
paid the penalty for your sin. He redeemed you. He bought you out of that life of brokenness and sin and captivity. He has paid that price on your behalf. So you are no longer your own. This body is not your own. You are bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. So glorify God in your body is what he says. No other sin in scripture does the Bible warn us to run away from. Run, get out of there. This is super practical. I mean, some of us like tippy toe up to the line of sexual sin. Well, I won't click on, on all of it. I won't watch the whole video. I'll just watch th- this kind of part of it or whatever. We, some of us are like an alcoholic hanging out at a bar just because our friends are all there. That is dumb. If you struggle with alcoholism, don't hang out at the bar. If you struggle with sexual immorality, don't hang out at the bar on your phone. Don't hang out in those places. Run away. Stay a long ways away. Boundaries in your life create opportunity for the grace of God to grow within you. When you stay up close to that line of compromise, compromise is a lie from the enemy that says it won't hurt anybody. Oh, this little bit won't do much. This won't take me all the way there. That is a lie. Compromise leads to temptation, leads to sin. It is so essential for us to stay a long ways away from that. Porn leads to so many dangerous things. And I would even say it like this, what porn leads to is actually more dangerous than porn itself. The destruction of intimacy in relationships, the perversion of your heart. See, the enemy is always trying to take God's design and twist it into something perverted. And when your heart and mind begins to get perverted by sexual images and videos and all of this porn consumption in your life, the way you view people is corrupted. People stopped being human beings and have now become a tool for your own purposes, your own sexual pleasure. That person stopped being a person made in the image of God and has now been lowered to this place where they're an object for your own purposes. That's perverted. Pornography leads to the exploitation of human beings, buying and selling of people for the purpose of selling images and videos online. Sex trafficking is the result of pornography. You may think compromise, oh, it won't hurt anybody. Meanwhile, there's kids in our own city that are being kidnapped and sold into slavery. We've worked with partners all over our city to help rescue kids out of sex trafficking. And your little click might feel like it's just a little bit of compromise, but it is actually resulting in lives, young people's lives right here in our own city being bought and sold. See, perversion gets darker and deeper and more twisted. Buying and selling of people is perverted. I don't think anybody starts out in pornography to help sex trafficking keep growing in our world. Nobody does, but that's the lie. This is why Paul says, run, flee, get away from this stuff. It is ruining your life. It's destroying your relationships. Put filters on your phones. Change what you watch. Stay away from that stuff. Don't even get close to any of that. Run. See, I think God is calling us to be a people who are set apart.
there is a silent killer destroying relationships. And today is just about calling that killer out, calling the enemy out in your life and inviting you to a place of freedom. A place where you're no longer dominated by these thoughts and these temptations, these images. That every decision is no longer filtered by all of this corruption in your heart and your mind. Where, where you understand as a parent your responsibility to help your kids process these temptations and stay a long ways away from them. That when you hand your kids a device, you're not just saying, hey, good luck with all of that pornography that's gonna be thrown at you, that you actually understand the fight that we are in, that the enemy of our soul is trying to destroy you, trying to destroy your kids. But Jesus' way is a holy way. It's a different way than the world goes. And it's a way of understanding that these bodies are for God's purposes. Sex is designed to be experienced and enjoyed in one context and one alone, marriage. And see, here's the thing for me today is that I just have a huge passion for freedom in your life, in every one of our lives. When Jesus was first on the scene, he quotes Isaiah, the prophet, and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Jesus came to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is still proclaiming victory for captives. Jesus is still here in this moment declaring freedom for those that are oppressed by this sin, by pornography, by an addiction, that God is actually powerful enough to destroy that stronghold in your heart, in your family, in your marriage, that he can eradicate this from your life. That is what I'm believing for today, that you would be set free from this addiction, that you would be set free from, from these patterns of thinking and that you would learn to run from sexual immorality and give your whole life, your whole heart, your whole passion to Jesus and that God would capture your heart with a sense of awe, wonder, and that you would begin to glorify him with every part of who you are. And you would watch him transform your marriage, transform your life, transform your ability and your capacity to be in relationship with people, that you would sense the presence of God healing you even now that his spirit would be coming on you right now, giving you a desire to be free. That is the spirit of God. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that you would begin to lift your eyes off of yourself, off your sin, off your temptation, off your past failures, and you begin to lift your eyes to Jesus right now. The one that can set you free, that has the power over sin and death, and that is right where you are right now, loving you, inviting you to freedom today. That is my prayer. That is our hope, is that we would become a holy people set apart for the purpose of God. I wanna pray for you today. In fact, wherever you are, I just wanna invite you to stand. When you stand, here's what you're saying. God, I want freedom. God, I want to go your way. Jesus, make us holy, make us pure, make us set apart for your purposes. Wherever you are, young people, stand to your feet. Get on your feet. This is a moment for us to declare the freedom of God over our lives. Let me pray. Jesus. You see every heart, every person standing right now. God, we stand together today declaring your freedom over every life. 
that the stronghold of pornography would be broken in every one of these lives. It's standing here in a place of faith, God. We don't know how you're gonna set us all free, God, but we know and believe that you have the power to set us free, that you have brought victory for every single one of our lives, God. Lord, you paid the price for every one of our sins, God. You died on the cross to defeat sin and death, God. We no longer have to live under the power of sin, God, but we can live under the power of your love and your grace. We can live free, God. And so we just declare that freedom today over every heart that's watching with us, Lord, over every life, over every mind that's trapped in addiction, God. We declare your freedom. We believe, Jesus, that you are setting captives free. You are, you are bringing the oppressed out of darkness darkness and into light, God, that you are breaking the strongholds that the enemy has had in all of these hearts, God, and that victory is being had in so many hearts, God. This is a holy people, God. You see people made in your image, God, for your purpose, God. These are your children, God, that you have so much in mind for, God. We declare this freedom and this victory, God, so that we can live for your glory and your purposes, God. We love you. We trust you. We put all of our focus and energy aim, God, at you, you and you alone, Jesus. You are our focus. You are the purpose of these lives. We come after you, Jesus, in your name, amen. I love you so much, real life. I believe that God is bringing freedom. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach out. We gotta talk. We gotta pray together. We gotta get you connected. Whether it's online, in person, you gotta get in relationship with other people to walk with you towards this freedom. You can't get free just kind of sitting there by yourself, white knuckling this, get connected. If you, for the first time, are giving your heart to Jesus today, your next step is to get baptized. That is the mark of everybody that's giving their faith, putting their faith in Jesus Christ. It is a picture of that death, burial, and resurrection. We want to help you take that step. Respond right now, wherever you are, whenever you're tuning in. Our team wants to help you take that next step, wherever you're at in the world. We love you so much. We want to worship Jesus together today. Come on, let's go to him together and worship. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of The Real Life Podcast. We hope that this time encouraged you and pointed you closer to Jesus. Before you take off, be sure to like, share, or subscribe. Also, visit our description for ways to stay in touch. We would love to be praying for you. Take care.